Are you paying more than you should for things that don't really bring you peace? Struggling to meet your financial goals? We can help. Hi, I'm Diane Freeby of Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, inviting you to learn how making little changes to daily spending habits can make a big difference. Schedule a free financial checkup today at NotreDameFCU.com slash elevate. That's NotreDameFCU.com slash elevate. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. It's time for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish football fix. You already share their values. Why not share in their benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Ladies and gentlemen. Chuck Freebie and Angelo DiCarlo. Notre Dame is 4-0 after a 41-17 win over Central Michigan, and now the real season begins. It is officially Ohio State Week, and the Irish can turn their full attention to a top-10 showdown with the sixth-ranked 3-0 Buckeyes under the lights Saturday night at Notre Dame Stadium. Welcome to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish football fix. Notre Dame FCU, where you bank does matter. I'm Chuck Freeby. And I'm Angel DiCarlo. Usually our show is a recap of the last game, our focus on phase segment, and then a preview of the upcoming game. But Notre Dame, Ohio State, uh-uh. Too big for that. We'll get right into talking about this huge matchup right out of the gate. We do have an excellent Focus on Faith interview for you next segment as we chat with Notre Dame team doctor, Dr. Brian Radikin, who played for Lou Holtz, then returned as team surgeon in 2010. A great conversation about faith, family, football, and medicine next segment. But let's get into it, Chuck. The first four games all gearing us up for this week. I know you felt Notre Dame would beat Ohio State from before the season. I felt that as well. But is your belief stronger or not as strong after watching the way the Irish have played through the first four games? It's not as much after having watched how the Irish have played, but having watched how Ohio Mm. State has played and developed Sure, you get a little closer to the game, and I think the nerves start setting in, and it gets a little more tenuous. You see how good that Buckeye defense has been this year, holding opponents down, and you wonder if Notre Dame can do the things that they have been doing offensively against that good of a defense. And honestly, that's the excitement of these kind of top 10 showdowns. How good is Notre Dame? How good is Ohio State? We'll find out Saturday night. Yeah, that's an interesting, interesting way of putting it. How good is Ohio State now thinking that they're even better? Because at first, you know, they they struggle a little bit maybe against IU in that first game, winning 23 to 3. You don't really know. Youngstown State, but you only beat them 35 to 7. And Western Kentucky is a pretty decent football team, and they pounded them 63 to 10. And you're like, whoa. And then their quarterback coming out and and playing really good football in, in the last game only had a few incomplete passes on the day. So when you have Kyle McCord suddenly throwing 70% completion percentage, which is about where Sam Hartman is at this point, suddenly the, that advantage in that quarterback battle is, is it's still with Notre Dame, but maybe the gap isn't as severe as we thought it would be. Certainly not as severe as it was last year, right, between C.J. Stroud and Tyler Buckner. Well, I think that's where you get into the experience factor, and that was one of the things that Marcus Freeman talked about during the press conference today, and we'll get into that as the show goes along. But I think the experience for Sam Hartman, a huge key. It does help that the Irish go into this game about as healthy as Mm -hmm. they possibly could be. Uh, We got the injury update today. J.D. Bertrand is out of concussion protocol. He's expected to come back. 
DJ Brown's hamstrings are no longer that tight. He's expected to come back. I had the feeling last week both of those probably would have played had Ohio State been last week. I think they would have pressed on that protocol for J.D. a little quicker. Uh, Mitchell Evans went through the concussion protocol. He's expected to be back on Saturday. The surprise of the press conference today, I think, is the fact that Gabe Rubio is expected to be back. Yeah, also very good news. Uh, programming note, not for us, but for, for you as you go to watch games. Kickoff time for Notre Dame at number 18 Duke next week is set for 7.30 p.m. on ABC. That's a top 20 matchup on the road. This week it's a top 10 matchup at home for Marcus Freeman going up against his alma mater, Ohio State. He knows how big this one is. We're excited about you know, the chance to go against a, a, a top-tier opponent, for sure. And um, we're excited about just the atmosphere, the, the experience that's going to be here with College Game Day and, and the Pat McAfee show and, and, you know, NBC. And, you know, we get to finally wear the green uniforms. So I, a really cool opportunity, a great opportunity on Saturday night to, you know, play a great opponent in uh, Notre Dame Stadium. So, you know, we got to continue to focus on, improving today and, and, and really staying focused on the present. And so uh, we know it's going to be a, a really good opponent with a great coaching staff. And uh, we want to see a lot of green in here. That's the, the cool thing about Saturday is, is we got green jerseys. And I don't know if they're calling it a green out, but we want to see a lot of green. And, and I think our players notice it and appreciate that, especially pregame. As you just said, we want to make sure there's as many Notre Dame fans as we can. And uh, I think they're doing some cool things. Uh, for the fan experience and so I encourage our fans man make sure that you guys are here and and let's get as much green in this stadium as we can it's gonna look like Christmas at Notre Dame Stadium a lot of green a lot of red just the question becomes how much green and how much red Notre Dame fans are hoping that not (laughs) that their fellow fans did not sell too many of those tickets And obviously in this market that we have of capitalism, that is something that's very tempting. But Notre Dame is trying to make it as lucrative as they can for their fans to come. They're even putting these green LED wristbands on the seat this week. Uh, They are, as a matter of fact, set up where they are seat-specific. So they're being very careful to tell people, don't trade your wristband with another seat. Don't give it away to somebody at another seat, keep your wristband because the look that they want to get from these wristbands is seat specific. Uh, Each one of those wristbands, by the way, with a QR code. So if you're going to the game, they're willing to give you a 20% discount at fightingirish.com for that. Uh, Fans, once they scan that QR code, will be entered into uh, some things for signed memorabilia, uh, game used equipment, Uh, some other exclusive items. It's all being set up by the uh, Rockney Athletics Fund on campus. So it'll be an interesting look for a night game. We've we've seen different looks at night games at different stadiums. The one that Notre Dame played at Georgia uh, really stands out from, I believe, 2018. Uh, This could be a a fun-looking night at the stadium. And Notre Dame has tinkered with uh, let's turn out the lights uh, the last couple years during different points. I think this is a good way of maybe – making sure that the red isn't as noticeable in the stadium. If you if you add in these LEDs at night, it'll help make sure that green is. But 
early on, it'll when kickoff happens, it's still going to be daylight. So you're going to see plenty of red if there is a lot of red in the stadium. You're just hoping it's not like the Nebraska game from the 90s. And I don't think it will be. That was a team that didn't have very high expectations going into the year, and Nebraska had never been here. In the case of Ohio State, they haven't been here in 28 years. But you know what? Sam Hartman's never been here for a night game either, and he and Audric Estime are both looking forward to the atmosphere at the stadium Saturday night. It's a big opportunity ahead of us. They're a really good team. They have really good defense, and they're undefeated right now. They're ranked top five or something like that. But like, we're gonna take. We're coming into this game like in any other game. It's another game, another game that we gotta reach our full potential. We know it's gonna be a little tougher one, but we're ready for that challenge. And this is a very great opportunity for us. So it's a big game. Obviously, you know any game, college game day, whatever you want to call it. Huge opportunity for us as a as a program and as a team, you know, to go out there and, and show what we got. And um, obviously, a really challenging opponent, a historically great pro- opponent, great football program, and like ourselves as a great uh, football university. So, I think it's just a clash of two football greats that, growing up, you know, you you kind of think about and and look at those games of, you know, Ohio State and all the other big ones that you're like, you know, that that'd be a cool game to play in. And so, um, it's exciting. It is a big game. I think. To shy away from that is, is foolish, but um, I think it's it's going to be, like every week, is it going to be about us executing at the highest level and, and like Coach Reem probably already said, reaching our full potential. If both of those guys have the game they've had so far well, this year, Notre Dame's in really good position. Audric Estime, 20 carries, 176 yards, and a touchdown against Central Michigan on the season. 63 rushes, 521 yards. That's 130 yards per game. 130 yards per game, second in the country right now behind Nate Noel of Appalachian State who has 140 yards per game. He's been outstanding despite having a lot of other good running backs behind him. Well, that's the thing. We we have talked about the depth that they've had at the running back position, and there are some games where Audric Estimate did not have to get carries in the second half for Notre Dame. Now, Saturday wasn't one of them. Central Michigan gave them a good test for a half, and it's a seven-point ball game going to the locker room at halftime. But Audric Estime really turned on the strength in the second half. I thought the hurdles that he had <laughs> are just impressive to watch for a man that size. And then it, of course, helps the running game when you have somebody in the passing game like Sam Hartman. No doubt, and he's become a difference maker for this team, right? Central Michigan, he was only 16 of 26, 330 yards and three touchdowns. But how about on the season, 71% completion percentage, 13 touchdowns, no interception, only has that one lost fumble against NC State. He's been fantastic. And we're going to talk about this more in depth at the last segment, but really becomes a question of whether or not they can exploit Ohio State's secondary like they have the previous teams. I just don't know if you're going to get a 75-yard touchdown pass to Tobias Merriweather and a 76-yard touchdown pass to Chris Tyree. These are things that they did kind of they've relied on this big play quite a bit so far this year, Chuck, and I don't know if you're going to get the big play. You might have to rely on that run game a lot more in this game. We talk about Notre Dame having one of the best corner combos in the country with Ben Morrison, Cam Hart. You look at this Ohio State combination with Davison Igbenison and Jordan Hancock at the corners. That's a pretty salty combo as well. And honestly, I think Ohio State's got a better receiving core than Notre Dame does. So, oh, yes. <laughs> uh, you, you try to get separation against those DBs. It's not going to be people popping wide open like they did 
against Central Michigan. But the reason why everyone thinks Notre Dame has a chance in this game is Sam Hartman. Oh, no question about it. I mean, the experience factor is huge. If you put Sam Hartman on Ohio State, I'd argue they may be the team to beat this year, maybe even ahead of Ohio State if you flip-flop the quarterbacks right now. Ahead of Georgia, you mean? or Sorry, ahead of Georgia, yes. So this is the difference he provides, and it's the what Notre Dame, the missing ingredient they've had. If you've seen the numbers, they're horrific. Between Tyler Buckner, Drew Pine, and Phil Jakovic, of what those three individuals did combined was minuscule as starting quarterbacks for other programs uh, just this past weekend. So Sam Hartman makes that difference. It gives you the belief. It gets the confidence to the fans. It gives the confidence to the coaching staff. It gives the confidence to the players. There's that different feeling because you got number 10 at quarterback. You're a Yankee fan. Yes. When Aaron Judge comes to the plate, (laughs) there's a different atmosphere at Yankee Stadium than there is when the eight other guys come. It doesn't even matter if it's John Carlos Stanton. There's a different atmosphere when Aaron Judge comes up. There is a different atmosphere now at Notre Dame Stadium because Sam Hartman is the quarterback. He is the first big-time quarterback that they've had since Jimmy Clausen, since Brady Quinn. We've talked about this on previous shows. You may have to go back to the days of Joe Montana to really find, well, Rick Meyer. Rick Meyer was the number two pick in the NFL draft. I think you got to throw him in there as well. But the confidence in this Notre Dame football team right now, that swagger comes from the swagmaster himself, Mr. Hart. Notre Dame Federal Credit Union has been serving the ND campus since 1941. 82 years, that's more than Chuck Freebie has been hey alive. Now. You already share their values. Why not share their benefits? Get started today at NotreDameFCU.com. You know, that was their original library. They brought it back here for the big game, you know, previewing Ohio State. Uh, okay, here's the question. Are the Irish a disciplined football team? What do you think? Penalties starting to rack up. 23 for the season for 200 yards. The uh, the problem there is 18 of those 23 penalties in the last two games. Yeah, the, they started out as a disciplined football team, I think, as they have faced better competition. There's been a little more aggression buildup. You know, you they had to be disciplined to play the way they did against Navy. And I think that discipline then was a carryover into – Tennessee State but now you get into the games that they've been playing lately where you have to turn it loose on the pass rush a little bit and where teams are turning it loose against you on the pass rush it's a different story so we've seen more holding calls on the offensive line we've seen the roughing the passer penalties which Marcus Freeman addressed today and you know Marcus is trying to walk the fine line between having a team that's aggressive and having a team that's disciplined I would still say they're disciplined, but there's work to be done. Here's linebacker Jack Kaiser and Marcus Freeman on the Irish penalties. Flag 33. There's so many flags. Like we, we can't have that moving forward. Um, in a tight game, those are going to matter. But it's tough, you know, trying to toe that line between do I take that extra step and get that extra hit on the quarterback, or is it a half second too late? Like some of those, it's. It's tough, and at the end of the day, you don't want to pull that out of a guy, right? You don't want to tell him, you know, stop, slow down, like, don't play hard. Um, but like you said, there is too many flags on the ground right now, and we got to clean that up, and we got to be a cleaner football team. You know, they're an aggressive team, 
right? Are they disciplined? Absolutely, but they're aggressive. And sometimes you have aggressive penalties, right? And so I want to look at those two roughing the passers and say, okay, was that an aggressive penalty or is that a selfish penalty? What I won't do is 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 keep them on leash. Like, you got to let these guys be aggressive. Like, when I tell them to come out of the locker room, it's not, hey, don't make a mistake. It's not, don't get a penalty. It's go, you go attack. And we're trying to win the interval five seconds and you go as hard as you can. And sometimes you have penalties. Do I like to see penalties? Absolutely not. But it's not a discipline issue. It's an execution and fundamental issue that we have to continue to prove. So I look at this coaching. If it's a fundamental issue, we've got to coach better, right? Holding is coaching. We've got to coach it better. And so I take accountability for that, you know, not our players. And Freeman brought up those two penalties, the, you know, the roughing the passer. He said one of them we can't have, uh, the one by Riley Mills. Yeah. The other one okay, I can see how it can happen. This is us being aggressive. So he is walking that line in that regard as well. But the bottom line is, on the offensive side, you can't have those holding penalties because they're going to kill the drives, and you just can't have the foolish penalties. you you got to keep your cool. You can't have that Benjamin Morrison moment against NC State, right? Those are the ones you can't have against Ohio State. By the way, Ohio State hasn't been perfect in penalties themselves, 16 penalties in three games for 146 yards, but their average is a little lower than Notre Dame's. They're taking advantage of that a little bit more. All right, our poll question, how many games will Notre Dame win in the regular season? This has been our same poll question uh, every single week. It's kind of our confidence poll. 12 wins now has its highest number, 23%. That's the highest it's been And updating the numbers, 11 wins and 10 wins, each at 36%. Only 5% think Notre Dame will win nine wins or less. So that confidence growing in their fan base, despite maybe – not playing the perfect game against Central Michigan you would have liked. I'm not exactly uh, working for the Gallup or Nielsen family, so I don't really have poll numbers, uh, analytics as one of my fortes. But as I look at these, I notice that the pe- the people that picked 11 wins at the beginning of the season when it was 10 or 11, so that probably increased that category yeah, yeah. a little bit. But the people that have gone 11 wins have gone down a little bit. I assume those are the people going to 12 wins. Yes. Those are the optimists. The pessimists at least are a little less pessimistic. So the nine wins or less people have said, okay, you're going to win 10. But that number is still the highest one at 37%. I mean, if, if we're judging this by pluralities, I think most people still expect Notre Dame to go 10 and 2. And I would guess that for most of those people, this is one of those two. I think the people that predicted nine wins still saw a 4-0 start. This is Irish Fan 10 speaking. I am still predicting 10-2, but I now think 11-1 is more likely than 9-3. I thought the opposite at the beginning of the season. I think that's a fair way of putting it. I'm kind of in a similar boat, right? I was I picked 10-2. But I was hedging between ten and two and nine and three, and now I'm more in the ten and two or maybe eleven and one phase. So I, I can see that mindset a little bit of how the fan base, based on the way this team has played, and again about Sam Hartman in particular. Hey, if you take a look at the AP poll right now, uh, the top five really haven't changed all that much in the last week. Texas and Florida State flip flopped. It's still Georgia one, Michigan two. Texas 3, Florida State 4, and USC at number 5. And, of course, we'll see them at the stadium October 14th. Ohio State comes in at number 6 this week. Penn State, pretty impressive team Mm -hmm. so far at number 7. I really like Michael Penix, the former IU quarterback with Washington. They tattooed Michigan State last week. They're number 8. And then Duke next week. Looked like a trap game at the start of the season. <laughs> not a trap game it's now. It's not a trap game now, but it's still a game where 
if you're riding high after Ohio State and you don't pay attention to the Blue Devils, you're going to have a comeuppance at Wallace Wade Stadium because yeah, we, Mike Elko's got a good squad at number 18. Win or lose, right? If yes. You, if you're not focused next week, and either either way, that could be a trouble game. You you could go to 4-2 and two real quick if you don't pay attention to business down there. And then Clemson one spot out of the top 25 at number 26. Coming up, we'll dive deeper into the matchup with Ohio State. Give our picks and yours, but up next, we'll – we're talking faith, family, football, and medicine with Notre Dame team doctor Brian Radican. Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Football Fix is back right after this. Founded in 2001 by brothers Sam and Levi, Reliance has built a reputation for excellence, providing high-quality home building and renovation services to the Michiana area. From single-room renovations like kitchens and bathrooms to building your dream home from the ground up, everything benefits from their decades of experience. From concept to completion, Reliance makes even the largest projects simple and hassle-free. To find out more, visit ReliancedBR.net. Reliance. Design. Build. Renovate. Welcome to the St. Vincent to Paul Society. From providing food and clothing to assisting with bills and offering support, we're here to lend a helping hand during times of crisis. But we can't do it alone. We need your generosity to keep our mission alive. Call us at 574-234-6000 or visit svdpsb.org to learn more about how you can help. The St. Vincent de Paul Society. Together, we can bring hope to those in need. Join on to me Friday night at 6 here on Pulse FM for the tire rack drive to the game as we preview week 6 of high school football with interviews and picks. It's Friday at 6 here on Pulse FM, rolling right into Purdue University football when the Boilermakers take on Wisconsin at Ross Aid Stadium. Time now for our Focus on Faith interview with Dr. Brian Radican, orthopedic surgeon at South Bend Orthopedics and the team doctor for Notre Dame football since 2010, someone we've we've gotten to know pretty well over the years. Well, you know, I had the pleasure of covering the rat when he was a defensive <laughs> lineman uh, for Notre Dame, and, and they had some very good teams, obviously, under Lou Holtz in the late 80s and 90s, and he was always a good interview, but just such an impressive guy overall. Went on to play in the NFL for the Colts, learned to appreciate surgeons as he had multiple surgeries himself. Always wanted to come back to Notre Dame when he realized he wanted to become a doctor, but he wanted to make sure he got the best experience possible, learn from some of the great doctors in Philadelphia and Los Angeles, worked with the Eagles, Phillies, Lakers, Dodgers, and all the pro sports teams in Philly and Los Angeles overall. Came from a very faith-filled family with nuns and priests on each side of the family. Met his wife, Maura, at Notre Dame, and they have five kids, including Connor, who played for the Irish himself, graduating last season. That's where we begin our conversation with Dad getting a front-row seat to watch his son. Here's Faith, Family, Football, and Medicine with Dr. Brian Radican. All right, Doc, I want to I start with this. You had the opportunity to not only play at Notre Dame, but now you've been able to be on the sidelines while your son played on the Notre Dame football team. What was the previous four years like being the team doctor while also watching your son Connor play for the team? Well, Anj, uh, first of all, thanks for having me. But it was it was great. It truly was really special. And I'll tell you, more emotional than I anticipated having your own son on the team. My favorite part of every game was watching him run out the tunnel. And then, of course, I ate the smoke in the tunnel while I was trickling out there. But watching him run down the field, take a knee like I used to in the end zone, was special just watching him live those days with his teammates and then he gave me the courtesy of you know giving me a hug before every game we give a little hug and then game on that is what I'll miss the most that is what I'll miss it was amazing 
Was it tough being the team doctor and a parent at the same time while being on the sideline? Not, not really. It was actually uh, more enjoyable, to be honest with you, because all of his friends, uh, occasionally they would get injured. He's buddies with all these guys. And they were very, very professional. None of them ever asked him to get involved, never tried to do a backdoor. They were able to separate their friendships with the medical side. So it never, that was my fear that that was going to get in the way. We're going to have some sort of like awkwardness. And it never was. The kids are very mature, more mature than my teammates were back when I played. They are great young men now. And I'm, I'm excited for all their futures. They were terrific. And never once did they put Connor in an awkward position for injuries. You've been back over a decade now as the team doctor and the the chief surgeon for Notre Dame football. What has overall this experience been like for you? It's been really special for me and my family in a lot of ways in that this is what I wanted. Even when I was playing football, I thought this is what I want to do for the rest of my life is to maybe be able to help take care of these athletes and keep them on the field. I very much appreciated I had seven surgeries in my playing days, and I, I really appreciated the trainers, the staff, the, the student trainers, the doctors that you know, patched me back up. They allowed me to continue trying to do something I wanted to do in a way that I tried to do at the highest level. And that influence really made me want to do the same thing. I grew up in a, a household where you know, my mom was a nurse and my dad was always putting things back together as a mechanic. So it kind of meshed really well together that we were going to you know, maybe find that as a lifestyle choice for me. So playing and now getting to the point where I get to do it now, it really is uh, It's so satisfying and, and truly a, a dream come true. All right, let's go back to childhood then. Uh, you mentioned your mom and your dad in their professions. I know it was a very strong faith-based family and also sounds like you you have a litany of faith-based people, whether it's priests or nuns. Break down how how strong the faith was, that Catholic faith in, in the Radigan family. You know, it, it was uh, really strong. My mom and dad both grew up in towns of a couple hundred people in the you know, southwest Iowa area. And, and religion was a big part of both families, and which is great. I'm sure why they were meant for each other. And we saw a truly loving couple with my mom and dad and all of my aunts and uncles. It's a big family and both sets of grandparents. And then there's, there's priests on different sides of the family. There's nuns on both sides of the family. And, and growing up, I think it actually helps seeing that they're all normal people. Like you don't grow up seeing that they're different or there's something unique or you can't be afraid. They were the best athletes in the family, were the priests and the nuns. I mean, they were the, they were the ones I hung out with the most. And, and part of that was just having great values growing up. And then you know, I started uh, off in a, a public school system until I got to fourth grade where we were able to find our way into the, the Catholic school system, which I stayed in forever. And then ultimately you decide to, to go to Notre Dame. How much did faith play a role in that decision? You know, when you when you get recruited, there's a lot of things that you look at and you you get wrapped up in a lot of things. And so you, you create this pro and con list of every school. And I knew you know, I was a, a decent student back then and I, I wanted to go to a, a good school. I wanted to be on a school that was going to compete for a national title. And I wanted to go to a school that had some some of the values that I had. And so it was a pretty easy choice, to be honest with you. So coming out of a Catholic high school, Notre Dame was the only Catholic school on my list in Stanford. And you know, there were some other schools that we won't talk about, like USC. But um, among all those, uh, the academics were strong. They just won the national title my high school senior. It was an easy call. But they had a lot. And Lou Holtz was uh, a pretty strong influence. My 
grandmother wrote him a letter um, about how important it was for me to continue uh, my faith-based education, and, and he showed it to me once. Um, of course, I was in trouble when he showed it to me and said I was letting my grandmother down. <laughs> so um, it was pretty special for our family, and it was a super easy call to go to Notre Dame for that. We're talking with Dr. Brian Radigan here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Football Fix, talking faith, family, and football. He's the team surgeon for the Notre Dame football team. All your pre-med courses at Notre Dame, like biology, chemistry, and whatever, were at the same time as football practice. So did that make the road to being a doctor a little bit more difficult? So that actually, that's an interesting story. That's why I couldn't be pre-med at Notre Dame. So they, they were. And I signed up for all of those courses my freshman year. And three days after I got to Notre Dame, Emil Hoffman, the old freshman coordinator, he sat me down and said, guess what you're doing? You're not doing this. <laughs> he sat me down. He's like, you're on scholarship. You have a football scholarship. And they practice when all of those classes have labs. So you cannot miss those classes and expect to succeed, and you can't expect to miss football and ever see the field and maintain your scholarship. So it was a pretty easy call. He's like, take the core classes. Everybody has to take these, and let's try to figure out a way to make this work for you. And as I did that, I took all the core classes, and I, I, I don't know how it happened. I drifted toward business and loved it. You remember Frank Eck, you know, he's got his name on some of the buildings. I remember he put his arm around me one time at a hotel at a game against USC, and he said, you know, hey, Brian, I like you. Um, there's something about you. I think you're going to run my corrugated piping business in Ohio someday. When you're 18 and you have somebody like Frank Eck telling you this, guess what you're doing? You're going into business. So I fell in love with business. I liked it. I went in full steam ahead and it made sense with my schedule. Um, when I finished though at Notre Dame, I knew it wasn't exactly my path. So when I went to the Colts, I was able to, I called a bunch of med schools. And I said, you know, what's it take to go to medical school? What do I need to do? And they just told me, you know, biology, chemistry, physics, organic chem, you got to take the MCAT. You already have your degree, so just get that. okay. So in the off season, in my three years with the Colts, I took biology, chemistry, physics, and organic chem. I just I took a couple classes every spring, and when I was done with the Colts, sat for the MCAT, and then went to med school. Not the normal path, probably, for an NFL football player. What, what was the reaction from, like, teammates when they heard – what are you doing? Yeah, I, had a, I, had a, I was known for a couple things when I was with the Colts. One was my car, which was awful. And two <laughs> was the fact that I was taking classes in the offseason. Uh, they respected it. Guys were great. I mean, they, there is so much free time in the NFL in the offseason. Like, you can't work out from 8 to 12. You have nothing else you can physically do. So we either went bowling if it rained, we went golfing, or we played basketball. There's a lot of free time. So I had plenty of time to take a couple classes and study and do well and still have all the other stuff to do and have fun with my teammates. So they were great. No one, you know, I didn't want to play video games, right? I did classes instead of video games. Otherwise, it's a pretty good offseason in the NFL. So no one should feel sorry for me. I had plenty of time to get the work done. And at some point in here, you have – You've met your wife, Mora. Take us through how you courted her and how that relationship developed. And obviously she became a lawyer and you were in the NFL and you're trying to become a doctor. That had to be a difficult thing to navigate. How did you guys able to navigate that and now obviously have a beautiful family of five? Yeah, you know, you just when it, it works, it works, right? So sometimes things can be a little hard when you got to like work a little harder to make things happen. But 
it never really felt like that because I really liked her, you know, and I think she liked me enough <laughs> at the time. So when you, when you have that kind of relationship, it wasn't work. So I'd come up every Tuesday on her day off and I'd visit her at Notre Dame when I was with the Colts. And she'd come down on a lot of weekends and we kind of stagger our weekends. It's just, it, it wasn't too far where it was a drive away, right? So we could still see each other. Glad I didn't end up with the Cowboys, but it just worked. She was the smartest person I've ever met. And she, her brain was phenomenal and all the things she could do at one time. I remember coming back and helping her study one time and she had everything memorized. I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, you're too smart for me, right? I don't know if this is going to work because I'm going to slow you down. She was amazing and her family was amazing. But we met at the end, our senior year at Notre Dame. So it was kind of a, a late meeting and we just kept it going. And it worked really well because she stayed at Notre Dame to go to law school. So she's a double domer. And while she was there, it was really fortunate for us to be able to keep the relationship going. As you guys are doing your own thing and starting to stay together, how much did faith kind of help you in terms of realizing, okay, I think this girl's the one and, and making it work in that regard? Yeah, so you know, Sacred Heart, there's nothing about, if you've been to that parish, you know, there's nothing like that. All right. So for us, we really looked forward to that Sunday Mass. And we would go there as much as we can. And we were always so impressed by the students and their ability to sing. That's my favorite mass. It always will be, right? Other than your marriage, right? When you get married, I'll have to put that in there for her, right? But it was something for us that we really looked forward to. Notre Dame provided that for us. You can walk around campus. Matter of fact, this morning early, we were able to, I had a case canceled, so called her. We quickly ran and did a walk of campus. We really look forward to this place at Notre Dame a lot. It's just, you know, St. Joe Lake, St. Mary's Lake, we went over to church and just, there's something about it that grounds you and you realize there's so much more to this world than just the two of us and we're so lucky to be a part of it. During this you're you're getting you're becoming a doctor, but you're also having this idea that you want to eventually come back to Notre Dame. Take us through the path and why this was the place you wanted to come back to. Well, I mean a lot of the things we've talked about for the special events that happen, the people you meet, the atmosphere that you're a part of at Notre Dame, it can you can go on and on about what's so great about Notre Dame. At some point, I thought the college-level athletes were the, the athletes I might relate to the best. So when I went off to Philadelphia, that's where I did my medical school training, um, I initially accepted med school at Dartmouth, but then uh, Moore and I, we were married at the time, we had our first baby due. Um, after the acceptance for medical school. So we, uh, we rerouted. I called the Philadelphia one, Jefferson, and they said, it's okay, I can still go there, even though it was way after the date, because Moore's family's from Philadelphia. And that was truly divine intervention for us, because having family nearby when you have young children, there's nothing better, right? They were so, so helpful for us. And to be there it turned out to be some of the best training I could have ever expected in Philadelphia. And then I met all the people in Philadelphia for training, for residency. So after your four years of medical school, orthopedics, sports medicine is what I wanted. Well, they were taking care of the Phillies, the Sixers, the, you know, the Eagles. The, so for me, it was an easy call to want to stay there for my residency because in my crosshairs was coming back and trying to be Notre Dame's team doctor. I knew that the whole time. I have to have the right training for this. And the doctors you train with, everybody has a little something special they bring to the table, and you kind of bring it all together. You, know, you, you take something from your mom and your dad. You take something from this physician and that physician. You try to create your own style. And then eventually you, you get to South Bend, and you get the job with South Bend Orthopedics, and then you become the team doctor for Notre Dame. 
when you knew for sure, hey, I'm now the team doctor at Notre Dame. This is something I've dreamed about. What was that like? <laughs> so uh, it, was, it was phenomenal. I, I saw it coming a little bit, but uh, you never know until you hear it, right? So my first two years, we shadowed, and you, you kind of help out a little bit. And then Brian Kelly came in, and he shook everything up. I mean, he shook a lot of things up, and he got rid of these people and got rid of that person, got rid of the – he really made things happen. And so nobody really knew, and he, he brought Cleveland Clinic in to maybe be the orthopedic doctors. Oh, he did a lot. I mean, he's, he's trying to revamp the program in the way he knows, and he didn't know me from Adam. You get to know things. The next thing you know, I'm getting calls from all these people I trained with. Hey, I got a call from Coach Kelly. Hey, I got a call from Coach Kelly. It was a cool call. Thanks for letting him call me. I was like, what are you talking about? Well, he was checking me out. And, and I respect that. And good for him, you know, to at least look and see what he's got in his backyard. And so he, I remember he brought me in on a Thursday and just simply said, do you want the job or not? And he may have had a couple other choice words in there that I can't repeat on the radio. <laughs> so um, I was like, yeah. And that was it. It was just like that. So I got the job, and I, I remember walking out, and I told more like, I'm the head team football doc for, for Notre Dame. And, you know, big hugs. We went and celebrated, and we were actually on our way to go meet a, a couple of friends of ours in Chicago for a weekend uh, getaway anyway. So it was a perfect timing. We had that weekend getaway, and uh, it was pretty special. We, we had a great opportunity to, to really enjoy it because we had some time away. You've performed whatever it is, hundreds of surgeries on Notre Dame athletes over over time. You do like to to do a, a prayer with the family if if they choose to want that uh, beforehand. Yeah, it's one of my favorite parts. So, yeah, everybody, there's all makes and models, and everybody has their own choice of how they want to handle things. And we really try hard to figure out the art of medicine, not only just the science, right? And so, I think I one of my most proudest things is that I can try to do that. And many people are faith based, and they have a lot of anxiety on surgery day. And so if you start to pick up on that a little bit, it's always offered. And sometimes I'll lead a prayer and we'll hold hands with the family and the patient. Um, sometimes the family members will lead the prayer. Um, and at Notre Dame, it's pretty special. Uh, we have Father Nate Wills, who's the team chaplain for a football team. He comes in. So I let him know if there's a surgery on one of the guys. And he is remarkable. And most of the, I mean, I don't know anybody who doesn't like Father Nate, right? He's just a, a terrific man and the role model, and he's great influence for all these guys and for me too. Uh, so he comes in five in the morning before surgery, and he will lead a prayer. And I know most of the, they all appreciate it so much, and so do I. I mean, so I feel you feel the gift in your hands, right? And the people are are trusting me at that time. So it's pretty special. It really is. And finally, we mentioned you know your marriage with Mora and how you balance everything. I mean, you're a team surgeon, you're on the road a lot, your wife is a lawyer, you're, you have five kids, your, your daughter is playing Division One basketball currently. How do you guys figure it all out? You guys is a loose term. We have a CEO in our house, and you can ask everyone in our house who that is. Mora is remarkable. So we have a constant running joke in our family that if there's a vote about something, we, you know, where do we want to go for something or where do we want to do that? What do, if it's a six to one vote, that one's going to win. If that one is more, it does not matter. <laughs> she runs a show. And I, I mentioned earlier, her, her brain's very unique. She can handle so much and she organizes everything. I truly could. And I know people say that all the time. I truly could not do it without her. She can handle anything. 
and does it with grace. I don't know how she does it. I really don't, but I rely on it. And, and unfortunately, I probably depend on it too much. I probably should buck up a little bit more, but she is truly amazing. She knows where everybody is at all times. And our kids are, are phenomenal. I'm so biased now, but they really are. They they are good about including us and keeping us in the loop, and, and they try hard to be a part of everything. So in the end, it's more running the show. She is really, really good about it, and, and Notre Dame's good about it. They let me... Like, I would not go on a Friday to a game. I'd go Saturday. I'd stay here, and I'd watch my kids play, and I'd, I'd fly out Saturday morning for a game or drive out myself, and I'd ride back with the team. So they're, they all understand family first, right? So I'll go see my daughter play, and, and they know I might not be there during the week to cover some practices. They don't care. As long as I do my job and have a partner available to help cover, um, they're great about it. Family really is first. Doc, thank you very much for sharing your story, and thanks for all you do as team surgeon. Uh, my pleasure, Ron. Just great being here. Great seeing you. I'm a little disappointed you didn't mention that any of his children were 46 student athletes of the week. <laughs> well, pretty much all were, right? Probably. Uh, more than likely, yeah. I'd have to go back through the files, but I can think of at least two and maybe all three, uh, Sean, Connor, and yeah. Kelly, during my watch. So, yeah, what a great family and, and what a great guy. And to have that goal, and and I wonder how many people he expressed that goal to. Like, I want to be the team doctor at Notre Dame someday. But he certainly had it within his heart. And to carry that with him and kind of have a plan, but to see how God worked in that plan and brought it to fruition for him, that's that's a great story. I love when he pointed out my mom was a nurse, my dad was a mechanic. It kind of does make sense, right, when you think about it. That actually makes sense as someone to be a team doctor and a surgeon, right? He's got all the makings to make that happen, especially with the faith aspect as well. And really cool story about bringing Father Nate Wills in for any football surgery to do that prayer beforehand. Uh, really need to hear all those conversations. All right, coming up, we dive deeper into the matchup between number nine Notre Dame and number six Ohio State, including our picks and your picks. You're listening to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Football Fix on Pulse FM. We know you like football, so do we. We're TireRack.com, and this is our version of a two-minute drill, except it's only 30 seconds. TireRack.com has an enormous selection of tires. Not sure which ones to buy? Use our tire decision guide to find the right tires for your vehicle and the way you drive. Then get them shipped fast and free on all orders over $50. Shipping is in as little as one day, free. TireRack.com ships to independent, recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Touchdown! Medicare benefits can be confusing, but they don't have to be. I'm Tony Letcher, licensed insurance agent. Imagine being able to explore all your options. I work with many of the top nationally recognized carriers, and when we shop multiple carriers, you could save the right coverage at the right price. I don't want you to be my client today. I want you to be my client forever. Call Tony Ledger today to schedule your free consultation or visit tledger.com. There's nothing quite like that first taste after the grill master has patiently smoked meat for just the right flavor. That meat will elevate the spread at any tailgate party, fall get-together, birthday, holiday event, wedding, company outing, and more. When you want that meal, contact Cotton Gin Catering. They offer real Texas-style barbecue catering. In fact, they're Michiana's best barbecue catering company. Get all the details at cottongincatering.com. 
First place in the Northern Lakes Conference is on the line this Friday night when Bart Curtis leads undefeated Warsaw into his old home of Mishawaka to face the 4-1 Cavemen in our WHME TV 46 Game of the Week. Watch it Friday night at 11, Saturday morning at 9 on WHME TV 46. Angelo DiCarlo, Chuck Freebie, back with you here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Football Fix as we get you set for number 6 Ohio State and number 9 Notre Dame Saturday night under the lights at Notre Dame Stadium. College game day will be at Notre Dame for this one. Ohio State beat Notre Dame 21-10 in the season opener last year in Columbus. This is the eighth all-time meeting. Ohio State leads 5-2. Notre Dame won the first two in the series, and Ohio State has won the last five. And, of course, as we mentioned, Marcus Freeman, former Ohio State linebacker, starting 20. 37 games in his career. Ryan Day, the head coach of the Buckeyes, 47-6 and six in five seasons at Ohio State. It's funny how he's like kind of sort of on the hot seat from the fan base, even though he's 47-6 and six in five years. That's, that's how big the job is at Ohio State. Well, that can be summed up in one word, and that word is Michigan. And <laughs> right. they have not beaten Michigan in a while while Ryan Day's been the head coach, so... That puts you on the hot seat as an Ohio State head coach. I mean, years ago they had a terrific coach by the name of Earl Bruce, but he couldn't beat a, be, couldn't beat Michigan, and so that's when they went and got the senator Jim Trussell, and Trussell has been a remarkable influence on Marcus Freeman throughout his career. Absolutely. All right, the challenges of facing Ohio State's offense. Where do you want to begin with this one? Well, to me, it begins first of all, as Marcus Freeman pointed out today. They want to run the football. They've got an outstanding running backs coach in Tony Alford, who used to coach here at Notre Dame. Year after year, he's got solid running backs. They don't hurt themselves in the running game. Travion Henderson is a load. Six and a half yards per carry so far this year. Four touchdowns. They haven't used him a lot so far. They've been trying to get Ryan McCord set at quarterback, so they've relied a little bit more on the receivers. And, oh, the receivers. Brian Hartline's got some receivers. You take a look at Marvin Harrison Jr., kid that lives up to the name, really. I mean, and that's a tough name to live up to if you're a receiver. (laughs) 14 catches, 304 yards, three TDs, and then Emeka Agbuka, 12 catches. But you were pointing out earlier, Anj, they really spread it around in their receiving core. They got four guys that have made 10 catches or more in three games. Notre Dame only has one player who's had 10 catches or more, and Notre Dame's played in four games, and that's uh, Jaden Greathouse. So they they can really throw the football, and they got a lot of options, and McCord has those options. But it, it starts you know, with the, those two big guys there at wide receiver, and here's Marcus Freeman talking about Ohio State's ultra-talented wide receivers. <laughs> good players man or I mean, you just got to turn on the film I mean the Harrison's body type skill set um, he's fast he can go up and get the ball he's a great route runner great hand well coached Hartline's done a great job of developing that wide out room you know year after year they got first rounders and first rounders and uh and Bouquet's the same way you know he's a again a playmaker more utilizing the slot dangerous returner you know so I go on and on, man. Those guys are, are good football players. They find ways to be innovative, right? You can look at as far back as since Ryan Day's been at Ohio State till now, it's a very innovative offense that, that will find different ways to get their playmakers the ball. And to me, it all starts with, with the run game, right? They, they want to run the ball. And um, 
very similar mindset that I have, right, is the ability to run the ball will create openings in the pass game, and, and, and that's what I've, I've seen on film. So to me, this is the most delicious of all the matchups in this game, is seeing Ben Morrison and Cam Hart, and at times you're going to have to put them in man coverage because we have seen Al Golden bring blitz packages to try to disrupt other teams' timing on defense. So at times you're going to have to put your corners on an island against Harrison and Egbuka, and we'll see how that all plays out. Pro Football Focus is one of these analytic sites that does a lot of matchups. They've got Marvin Harrison Jr. as the number one receiver in America, and depending on the week, Ben Morrison is either the number one or number two corner in America. So this is what you pay your money for to see. And it'll be interesting to see how that works because it's going to be their toughest challenge they have not faced anything like this yet this year to be fair though nor has ohio state yeah oh no i agree they have not been tested ohio state hasn't been tested in that regard but it's still it's still not the same i think this is going to be a big challenge and then their name's defensive line versus ohio state's offensive line you know marcus freeman's saying this is gonna still be a game he believes it's gonna be one in the trenches and that's on both sides of the ball so that's gonna be an interesting battle as well and we talk about their name's defensive line, you know, before the year. Do they have the weapons? And they've played above the standard maybe so far this year. But now playing against Ohio State, is that going to be a challenge? Don't get caught up in the sack numbers necessarily for the Irish because Marcus Freeman's not. He's more worried about pass efficiency defense, which, by the way, the Irish ranked number one in pass efficiency defense so far this year. You can point out. They played Navy, okay? They played Tennessee State and FCS. I get it, but those corners are really good, and they have been getting quarterback pressures and quarterback hurries, which is what Marcus Freeman wants. He's not as worried about sacks. All right, let's flip the side now and talk about Notre Dame versus Ohio State's defense. Here's Irish quarterback Sam Hartman on the challenge of facing the Buckeyes' D. Quarterbacks are their defense, a linebacker, and cores. Um, you know, two really stout players that have played a lot of football. Obviously, it really just encompasses, encompasses their front seven. You know, a lot of experience, a lot of talent there, and their secondaries, again, brought back a lot of guys from last year that are all extremely talented. And so, you know, we know we have a challenge on our hand, and, you know, they, they do a lot of things up front, very multiple. And so, again, you know going into this game it's going to be a, a battle. You mentioned receivers getting separation. They face a very good defensive backcourt in Ohio State. What can you do to help them get separation or throw into tight windows on Saturday? I mean, I think it, it's all just going to be about execution. You know, you can scheme up all the things you want. You can work on beating man coverage all you want. But if, you know, I don't execute, we don't execute, and just make, make the plays work. It's going to be a battle of wills and, and who wants it the most at the end of the day for four quarters. And, you know, if we can make enough plays um, at the end of the day, then, then that's going to be that. And, um, you know... As Coach Freeman's probably said 30 times in his interview, we're just trying to reach our full potential, and whatever that ends up, it ends up. What do you see as the full potential for this team? It's a great question. If I had Thank a crystal you. ball, I'd let you know, but I don't, so we'll see. This is a defense giving up just 6.7 points per game, five sacks allowed, 17 TFLs, three interceptions, or not five sacks allowed, five sacks. And it's led by linebacker Tommy Eichenberg, Liam Eichenberg's little brother. Team leading 20 tackles, one sack, one TFL, and one forced fumble. And and then the other linebacker, 
Great name for a linebacker, Steel Chambers. <laughs> I mean, he comes after you, too. 19 tackles, a TFL, and an interception. That defensive line, though, to me, that's as impressive a group as Nerdame has seen in quite some time. Uh, Tyleek Williams having a monster year with 17 tackles. You don't see that but, from defensive yeah. tackles. And then they've got a guy with a burst by the name of JT Tuiomalau. And JT... Seven tackles. Marcus Freeman couldn't say enough good things about him. Today. I, I, I couldn't wonder, say his name, but couldn't say <laughs> enough good things about him. We'll call him JTT. Uh, it's probably because he is he's not getting the tackles, but he's allowing everyone else to get him because of the way the, the presence he commands inside. And uh, their cornerback, Denzel Burke, has been really good. He only has two tackles, but he has five pass breakups. That means... You aren't throwing the ball to him that much against him, and he's pa- he's breaking him up quite a bit. Well, I think they are throwing the ball against him. He's breaking up the passes so he doesn't have to make tackles. But they're throwing the ball against him because they're not throwing it against Jordan Hancock, who has been terrific on the other corner. At some point, Notre Dame's receivers have to prove to me that they can get separation against quality defensive backs. They weren't playing quality defensive backs Saturday against Central Michigan when they were hitting 76 or 75-yard bombs. But Notre Dame's still going to have to threaten Ohio State deep. They can't just play the dink and dunk game. The question, though, is have they relied too much on the big play so far this season? And if that is not there, is this offense able to get anything going against this Ohio State defense? That's kind of my biggest fear if I'm a Notre Dame fan is – can we win if this is turns into a battle of the trenches? Here's the one big thing going in Notre Dame's favor besides Sam Hartman's experience factor over Kyle McCourt, which I think is huge. Remember last year, Notre Dame went into a game with a quarterback that couldn't throw in Tyler mm-hmm. Buckner going against a guy that wound up being the number two pick in the NFL draft. Huge advantage, Buckeyes, and yet Notre Dame was in that game until the fourth quarter. I think Notre Dame's got a huge advantage of quarterback going into this one. Sam Hartman, who has played for six years against Kyle McCord, who has played three games. But another advantage is Spencer Schrader. We haven't talked about special Mm. teams on this show, but between McPherson at punter and Schrader in the kicking game, that allows Notre Dame a little more latitude. Notre Dame really only has to get to the Ohio State 35 to be in scoring position to put points on the board. Buckeyes have to press in about another 10 yards. That's a great point. Will Schrader make a 56, 57-yard field goal? Maybe, maybe not, but he's more than capable of doing that. He had a big 50-yarder against Central Michigan. He's just been short on some of those other big ones this year, so he's more than capable. That's a great point. Ohio State is favored by three, so Las Vegas still favoring the Buckeyes in this one. We asked... What happened Saturday on Twitter? 376 votes. Ohio State wins by four or more, got 20%. Ohio State wins by three or less, 3%. Notre Dame wins by three or less, 23%. And how about ND Nation really believing in their squad? ND wins by four or more, 54%. Well, wow. I think playing into that are some of the comments that came with that. Zach Pascal saying, I'm almost concerned at how confident (laughs) I am heading into Saturday. I would be concerned, too. On the other side of that, Rich says, I hope I'm dead wrong, but the Irish pass rush and O-line pass protection both leave a lot to be desired. 
Just think Ohio State is a little more complete. And we have can not, certainly understand that thought We process. have not talked too much about the offensive line for Notre Dame and whether or not they will live up to the expectation. That's a big factor in this game as well against what we talked about, that big defensive line for Ohio State. Those two defensive tackles going against two fairly inexperienced guards in Rocco Spindler and Pat Coogan. All right. What's your prediction? I said at the beginning of the year, I think Notre Dame wins this game. I think I've outlined in this segment a couple of reasons why. I think Sam Hartman is a huge difference maker. I think this team is playing with a confidence. And Hartman has been through games where he has had to be the man before. And to be the man, you got to beat the man. They're going to go out and do it with a big woo, 27-21 Irish. Uh, I will think it'll be a little quicker. You mentioned Spencer Schrader. How about Spencer Schrader with a 55-yard field goal to win it? Notre Dame 24, Ohio State 23. That'll do it for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish football fix. Notre Dame FCU, where you bank does matter. If you missed any part of tonight's episode, you can listen back to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or Google Play. Don't forget to join us Friday at 6 p.m. here on Pulse FM for the Tyrac Drive to the Game as we break down all things Michigan high school football. Then over on WHME-TV, our TV46 game of the week, Friday night, a battle for first place in the Northern Lakes Conference. 4-1 Mishawaka plays host to undefeated Warsaw. See you Friday night at 11 or Saturday morning at 9 on TV46. For Angelo DiCarlo, it's Chuck Freebie. Notre Dame and Ohio State under the lights of Notre Dame Stadium Saturday night at 7.30. You can watch on NBC, and we will, of course, be back with you next Monday night at 7 to either talk about the carnage or the greatness on Pulse FM. Thanks for joining us on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Football Fix. You've been listening to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Football Fix. You already share their values. Why not share in their benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Also powered by St. Vincent de Paul Society, Health Markets Tony Letcher, Reliance, Cotton Gin Barbecue Supply Company, and Tire Rack. Executive produced by Corey Mann. Engineered by Thad Hunsberger. Your hosts are Chuck Freebie and Angelo DiCarlo. Also available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Yeah!